<laughs> Thank you so much to Stony Creaser for the Slice of Beef theme song. Go check him out on all streaming platforms and on YouTube. Uh, this is part two of the Wanye Gretz episode. So thank you so much to Wanye for hopping on for two hours and giving me some quality content. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram, Wanye Gretz. And then if you also want to follow Oilers Nation and OilersNation.com on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and go to their website. Check them out. Read what the Oilers are up to right now. This episode is brought to you by Grandma Bear's Home Baking, aisle 7 of the Old Strathcona Farmer's Market. Go check them out and go grab yourself a butter tart and go say hi to Grandma Bear and Peter for me. Also, if you want to give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook, a slice of beef pod, find all of our information there and see what's happening for the upcoming week. Without further ado, part two of Wanye. I'm not telling any tales out of school. The other thing about business people you'll find, they always have these stupid ass things they think are secret that like nobody could give a fuck about outside of their company. Like, hey, don't tell anybody. Uh, we're going to be opening up a light bulb factory in Michigan right away. <laughs> but don't tell. Like, who gives a shit? No one cares, right? Yeah, when I had um, Jay on, he was just like, yeah, we're opening up another location of uh, Oodle Noodle, but don't tell anyone. I was just like, yeah, like, why? Who cares? <laughs> See, that's one of the annoying things about me is I always tell all our secrets. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't think, like, there's some secrets that you shouldn't tell, but I'm a big fan of hyping shit in advance, right? To, to wit, you followed uh, the dog patch today, right? Yep. That's my Instagram account for my listing lounge. That's, like, the only bar that's going to open probably in the next hundred years because the economy's cracked in half. But I was so excited about Dog Patch that I started last December. The bar isn't even going to be open for like a year. Jeez. But like, the Dog Patch is one of my favorite things to follow on Instagram with my actual Come account. On! It is. Because you post... Why? Because A, you, like your stories of posting music, albums, I'm like, I haven't listened to that album in a hot minute. Let's go listen to that. Okay, okay, and, go and, on. And then like these old school factoids about Edmonton, I'm like, shit, that's awesome. Really? Yeah. Hey, you like those stories I'm posting a lot of weird arty shit yeah well and like that was one of the questions is are you going to try to base your the dog patch off of one of these euro uh, cafes or bars cool I like being on a podcast where I get to talk about myself you're going to do very well here's the idea <laughs> so I went to Amsterdam lots of times and I love going there and one of the reasons I love it there is everything's so smushed together like a snow globe and for some reason that really appeals to me as opposed to like a freeway culture where you're driving on the yellowhead I really like it where you like come out of your apartment and you walk half a block and there's shit to do yeah right so my sister is an architect and she's very bossy and I'm scared of her and she's long been yelling that her thesis is about community hubs which is like a little building in an area where there isn't a lot of commercial space called the commercial desert. And rather than putting in a max or like a, you know, an accounting firm or a video return store or some shit back in the day, you put in things people want, like a cafe or a little pub or a little bakery or some shit. Right. Yeah. So I'm in Amsterdam and there with my friend and we're sitting there and we're like, Let's go out and like live the Amsterdam life. And we just went bar hopping for like a few days. Like not consecutively, like we slept 
obviously. <laughs> but and it was just so cool because they had all these little thirty seat pubs. And I was of the pint world where you want eight hundred people on the dance floor and like a lineup out the door and shit. And I was like, Man, these little pubs are so cool. And then I was talking to my friend, she's like, Well, what are you gonna do? Build one of these in Edmonton one day? And I was like, You know what? I will and she's like, Really? I'm like, I guarantee you I will build one of these in Edmonton and we shook hands on it. And she theoretically should be coming to the opening, but the border shut down. She lives in Denver. But um, my idea was a listening lounge. So listening lounges are little tiny spaces where the music that you're listening to, a lot of thought has been put into it. And it's not any one specific genre, but it's really about listening to the music that's been curated by the DJ which sounds like every dance club you've ever been into but if you look online there's a few of these there's one in like Oakland there's one in Japan it's really cool because it's like you go in there and they're listening to like Brazilian music one night and the next night they're listening to Finnish hip hop and the next night they're listening to Wu-Tang Clan and the next night they're, and they're just all over the road and you're like man this is wild like I'm going to go there because I want to listen to weird, good music. So with this building that we're building now, two blocks north of Little Brick, which is this cafe we own in the River Valley, um, we're building a little building like in Amsterdam. Hmm. And so we're building a listening lounge. So my intent with the dog patch and online stuff is like, I want to make like DJ set. We have a DJ booth. And I want to stream it all online. And I want to create a Spotify account for the River Valley. And I want to stream all our shows from the dog patch there. And then I'm working towards doing like a concert series of dog patch where we have cameras on the walls and we just hit a switch and we can stream everything in 4K. Ooh. And I want to start streaming little concerts out of dog patch all the time. So then like 10 bucks to watch it on your phone or whatever if you're halfway no, around the world. Free? 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 You know how we roll in Asia. I can't figure out how to charge people for shit. Fuck that, Bless you for that. (laughs) But by making Edmonton content, so for example, I saw like, because of COVID, I'm walking my house again, do anything. Wanya Manor is expensive, but it forces you to do different things to entertain. So I'm into all this weird Twitch shit now where I'm watching DJs in clubs in Berlin now that are running Twitch streams. And I know DJs in town that are like doing guest sets at four in the morning because their Twitch runs 24 hours a day and shit. And it's like being in the club, but you're just at your house. Yeah. And it doesn't really like they're in an empty nightclub, but you have it on in the background and shit. And this stuff has taken off since the pandemic. People are still making music. Yep. Right. Yeah. My sister's boyfriend is a uh, dubstep uh, DJ and he's putting out music he's doing a concert every other week at this point and he's just Shit. having so much fun yeah fuck yeah see this is the way to do it man like just put out content that you like have another job if you have to pay your bills we all have to pay bills but carve that time out where you're doing you be like fuck it i'm doing a dubstep concert every 14 days why not yeah yeah right? so why not? just dancing around on twitch or whatever and just having a great time so i go to um iceland airwaves this music festival in november lots of times and i love going to iceland there's something amazing about it i never in my wildest dreams thought i would ever be able to go to a place like iceland right when i knew jay dared us basically like we should go to iceland i'm like we could no sooner go to iceland than we could the surface of mars 
He's like, people go to Iceland. I know a guy who did. And then we went. Holy flying fuck. What a life, right? Yeah. And they have this music festival. And Iceland's really interesting because everything that Edmonton feels bad about itself about, which is like, we're dark, it's cold here, way, way, way. People in northern countries like Norway, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, they don't give a fuck that it's cold and dark. They certainly don't apologize for it when you go and visit them. They embrace it, right? Yeah. And Iceland is literally called Iceland, and that place is open year-round, and it's dark 24 hours a day, and you can still go to the restaurants and the clubs, you can still have fun, and you don't see anybody apologizing for the cold or the snow. Yeah. I think as Edmontonians, we're constantly got this weird inferiority complex where we're like, sorry, it's so cold here. Whereas Icelandic people are like, we used to kick the shit out of Europe and we chose to live here. <laughs> Keeps us tough, right? And these guys at Iceland Airways, this music festival we go to, they have this set. And it's in this place called Kex, K-E-X. And it's an old cracker factory they made into a hostel. And the lobby of the hostel, this old cracker factory, is a club. It's awesome. And in this club, in this cracker factory that's converted into a hostel, during this music festival, it's like their primary venue for this little music festival. Hmm. That isn't a 30,000 people in a field music festival. It's a bunch of little places. You go to like a bookstore and watch a show and shit. And everywhere I go, when I look at stuff, I'm like, we could do that in Edmonton better. We could do that in Edmonton. Like, I'm that guy. I'll push people around, make them tell me about their shit, whatever they're doing. Tell them about everything I'm doing, even though they don't want to hear about it. And they're like, these performances at Keck, what we did was we brought in this radio station from Seattle called KEXP. And it's like hipster MTV. I think it's Portland or Seattle. And they fly this radio show over to Iceland Airwaves to record all the shows at Keck on video, on their YouTube channel, and they broadcast live drive time back. They have like 88 million views of these YouTube streams in 10 years. Jeez. They're like, dollar for dollar, this is the best tourism money we've ever spent. Yeah, that would be amazing. Flying in these guys and making them broadcast from our lobby for a week. And then I go to the Kex guys, and I like go there all the time, and I'm an idiot, and I introduce myself and shit. And Jay and I work in the lobby bar, and you're not supposed to have computers, and we don't just fooling around, right? And they're like, "What are you idiots here again?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's awesome, man. Like, how has it been? I, I you know, it's my third year in a row." And they're like, "It's getting bigger and bigger every year." And I'm like, "Is it because of these Kex broadcasts on KEXP?" And they're like, "Yes. People show up here around year round now. They walk through the doors. And they're like." Wow, just like on KEXP on YouTube. So what I'm trying to do with Dogpatch and the River Valley Company is ultimately get to a point where we're doing lots of shows and concerts like they're doing at Keck. We bring in foreign media to come to like Folk Fest and shit. Or we have a little concert series at Dogpatch, but like 190,000 followers online all around the world watching, even though Dogpatch only has 30 seats. That's a great idea. Cause like, it's going to take a while. Yeah, yeah, it definitely will, but you'll get there. Like You're the one who's crazy enough to go through with it. And... Well, it's fun, I think. If there's like a DJ there, there's a screen on the wall. It's like currently 8,000 people are watching on Twitch. I'm going to be like, this bar is the fucking shit. 
Yeah. That's ultimately what I do. I try and build stuff that I love, right? So with Dog Patches Insta, I'm a nerd, right? So I like overthink things. And the hipster way is to make everything way more difficult than it needs to be, right? Yeah. And complicated. And like little brick makes zero fucking sense. You go there, it's an old house. It's facing the wrong way. Who the hell fixed an old shitty house and saved it and made it into a hipster cafe? Yeah, we did. Because we also made it our offices for our hockey website. So if the whole cafe failed, we were just going to be like, oh, what cafe? This is just our office. Although Little Brick has got to be like top five cafes I've ever been to. Come on! Are you serious? I'm dead serious, man. I love... like Really? Uh, I've, I've, I take people from Winnipeg all the time to Edmonton. I'm like, we got to go check out Little Brick. And they're like... What do they think? They love it. They love everything about wow. Little Brick. They love the fact Thank that you. there's a little store in there to go see, like, get some non-traditional Edmonton souvenirs. They love the oh feel and the vibe. Everything about it. I love it. So when we found this old house, I was walking through the River Valley with my buddy, and we lived, he lived in the time in Cloverdale, and I live in Rossdale. And we were walking to Riverdale, the third dale. We just going for a walk, right, in the River Valley. And this old lady comes out of her house, and this is how shit happens to me. Like, none of the opportunities that I've had in life come due to, like, structured hard work. Just random shit happens, but I'm always the guy to say yes, like going on this podcast, right? And she comes out of her house, and she's like, hey, you. And I'm like, huh? She's like, you, buy my house. And I'm like, buy your house? And I go over to her house for sale. She's like, you look like you'd like to live here. Buy my house. And I'm like, I don't want to buy your house. I live in Rossdale, the good Dale. And she's like, no, no, Riverdale's the best Dale. I'm like, really, it is? And she, this is how I came to Riverdale, this old lady telling me. Riverdale's the best Dale. It is? Yeah. Oh. Do you have any offices for sale? I say jokingly to her because we're looking to move offices. And she goes, oh, yeah, no, for sure. Just down the street, there's this really old house for sale. And it's zoned for a hotel and for a candy shop and for anything you want. And I used to own it when it was a candy shop, and I sold it. And this guy's been running it as a rental property and he just died and his estate contacted me to see if I wanted to buy it back. I was like, what? What is this place? And she's like, it's just around the corner. It's this old house. And I walked around the corner. My buddy looked at it and he saw me looking at it. He's like, oh, fuck. You're going to buy this, aren't you? I'm like, oh, it's amazing. And then we like went to go into the yard. There was a working meth lab in the basement of Little Brick when we bought it. Oh, <laughs> jeez. And, like, when I went to the showing, like, I banged on the door and demanded that they let me in before it was, like, it was for sale, but, like, there wasn't a real estate agent. And the tenants came, and they are like, you can go look around if you want. It was so fucked up. And I'm like, this is the most amazing place ever. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty sweet. And they had, like, all these drug paraphernalia. I'm like, what, are you guys running, like, a meth lab in here? And they all kind of, like, laughed nervously. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't be in here, should I? <laughs> and we made it, and I was like, I want to make a place where you can feel confident bringing visitors to Edmonton. Yeah. Because I've had visitors and girlfriends that work from here and stuff, and, like, there's nowhere to go. Like, I love the mall. Don't get me wrong. I love the mall. I know people shit on the mall. I think they're morons. The mall's amazing. Um, but, like, where can you take them? And, like, White Ave for a long time was really dope. Yep. Right? And downtown, like, getting a lot better was getting a lot better. And now the arena district's phenomenal. But I was like, I want to, like, create some shit in an area where there's nothing and I want to try and do like a bunch of projects and like make a neighborhood rad and my sister is like we get, we gotta like rejuvenate a neighborhood that's what I took in school and I was like holy fuck okay here we go and uh, so to hear you say that makes me feel so good because like 
Edmontonia shit in the store. It's so important, man. I used to have a girlfriend from Australia, and she moved to Edmonton, God bless her heart, and I would want to, like, send her parents postcards, basically being like, ha-ha, I have your daughter, she's never coming back. And there's no Edmonton postcards. And I remember being like, what the fuck? Like, why do we not take ourselves seriously enough to have Edmonton postcards? And we would go to, like, the mall. We had to go to, like, the store near the Deep Sea Adventure to get a Deep Sea Adventure postcard for Edmonton. So when we did Little Brick, I was like, well, shit, I'm going to have a postcards of Edmonton and stuff, Edmontonia in the store. And people I was doing it with are like, oh, no one's ever going to buy that shit. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. We're going to buy it. We're going to offer it for sale until people take Edmonton seriously enough to buy a postcard when they come and visit. Yeah. So to hear you say that you go in the store with people from Winnipeg makes you feel really good. Yeah. Well, and like I've I've been comparing Edmonton to Winnipeg since I've got here. And I'm just like, there's just, I, I think you've curated something so wonderful about Edmonton and you're so prideful about it. And no one takes Winnipeg seriously. And I'm just like, please just take the ser- the city seriously because there's so much potential here. See, it's interesting. Winnipeg is a wicked hip-hop community. They really do. And I feel like, given a long enough time horizon, a Winnipeg rapper is going to blow up. Yep. And I feel like when... I knew this guy one time. <laughs> I wrote this article. I don't know what I was doing. Man. This is before social media. But I wrote this article lifting off a Winnipeg rapper named John C. The General. And I don't know why I did it. I was working at Atco at the time, and I had lots of time on my hands, and I would write these articles on my word processor and then, like, bring them home and finish them off, and I was always working on something. And I wrote this article about John C. the General, and somehow he Googled himself and found me lifting him off and, like, emailed me, like, I'm going to get you. And I was like, you're going to get me. And then we ended up becoming buddies, right? And he would send me links to songs and stuff from Winnipeg. And, like, I was flabbergasted by the quality of music coming out. Yeah. And he's like, one day, man, one of us is going to put on for Winnipeg and put the city on our back, like Drake did Toronto. And I was like, you know what, John C. the General? I highly believe you. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Winnipeg has already BTO and The Who, The Guess Who. Yeah? Yeah. But so, but I mean, like... But that's, like, now, if you try and, like, flex on somebody, like, hey, I'm from Winnipeg. They're like, really? What have you got? And you're like, do you recall the tones of BTO? <laughs> yeah. I think they're like, no, I don't know. Like, I brought my dad out here for, uh, like, I, I've done two programs out here, and one of them was at a summer camp out here, and I graduated that. But um, he was like, yeah, let's go see all the Winnipeg things. I was like, okay, we can see Portage in Maine and the Forks. And that's all the I've got for you. Forks is a shit. I love them. The Forks is great if you've got a day. If you've got more than a day, the Forks is just like, all right, here it is again. Yeah, I don't know. I think Winnipeg has its spots, right? Like, it's got it's got such an interesting, like, Portage in Maine, the downtown arena. I don't know. I like underdog cities. Winnipeg's got a lot of Edmonton. My sister lives in Winnipeg, and she's like, oh, I love it here. You ever go to Ruth and Jerry's or whatever it's called, the diner? Uh, no, I haven't been there yet. I was going I was gonna start hitting up all these little diners that everyone talks about and then stupid pandemic killed us all, so Oh, I suppose. There's a restaurant, I think it's called Ray and Jerry's or Ruth and Jerry Ray and Jerry's. And it's like frozen in time steakhouse. Okay. Like nineteen seventy three and you walk through the door, you're like, Holy fuck, this is a time portal. <laughs> It's awesome. I love, there's lots of stuff to love about Winnipeg. Yeah. I went there for the outdoor game. I love it there. Oh, man, yeah. Like, I've been living in Winnipeg uh, four out of the last five years, and I 
wouldn't go back on it. Like I love Edmonton, but I'm almost a Winnipegger at this point. For real? Interesting. Yeah. See, you could run a global podcast from anywhere you so please. Oh, exactly. Like the right? next. You can, it doesn't matter where you live. Live in Winnipeg. Live in Edmonton. Live in wherever the hell you want. Yeah. Well, the next stop was either going to be. I've started talking to this girl from Buffalo, New York, who's super cool. And then I've also kind of thought about moving to, uh, to Saskatoon, just because that seems no, like no, another. Hold on here. What do you mean talking to a girl from Buffalo? Like, talking, quote unquote, talking. Talking, quote unquote. Like we've been talking. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So that cross-border love, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was gonna end up marrying like a Kiwi or an Aussie, but uh, I think there's different plans on the map. Fuck, it's funny how the life takes you. Oh yeah. I, I was... remember thinking to myself. I remember writing down as a goal because I respect that you write down goals. I did the same. It was like if you could have a dream girl, and I just wrote down an Australian girl. Like I didn't even know what that meant. It was just like trying to conceive of the most exciting outcome of life I could. And I did date an Australian girl. I was like, this is great. Like every time you open your mouth, I feel like I'm on vacation. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Like uh, I brought two yeah. girls from New Zealand up here to work at that summer camp. One of them, if I wasn't going through so many life issues at the point, we would have been dating. But uh, just every time they'd open their mouths, I was like, oh, I love that. You wild animal. Yeah. See, when, you have, when you have entrepreneurs on your show that are old people, right? Hit them with the questions that they will roll their eyes and be like, oh, to be young, right? Yeah. Be like, should I get married, sir? And he'll be like, what are you, crazy? And then like they'll be like, man, that was a cool podcast. Because rather than dealing with a reporter who claims to know everything about business, I'm dealing with a kid who's ask, actually asking questions on behalf of kids. It's a good perspective. It's authentic. And then if they're like, don't you know about the Holly Smot tariff of 1933 affecting internal, um, you know, whatever the fuck? Like, no, I don't know the arcane terms. You fucking not 100 years old. And then you can just forgive yourself for not knowing shit because you're young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what other business shit you want to talk about? You're my favorite now that you said you like fucking... Blue Chicago, oh, no, uh, Little Brick Oh, um, honestly, I've got like over a hundred. I've got three pages worth of questions, man. Like we can go Fuck. everywhere. Fuck, let's just hammer through stuff. Let's get this going. All right. Um. Well, okay. What would you tell like a young Wanye if you could tell him anything? How old? Uh, let's say middle of Blue Chicago. <laughs> well, you know it's funny. I've actually gone through exercises visualizing talking to myself back then. And, like, what I would tell myself. I remember one time sitting, this is some tragic shit. I remember sitting in blue Chicago, there was a blizzard going on. And I was sitting in the couch, and I remember it was, like, in the window in this couch. And I was like, if I don't have a huge weekend this weekend for sales, we're probably out of business by Monday. Right? Yeah. And a blizzard rolled in to the point that one of the rare blizzards in town actually shut shit down. And I remember just being like, motherfucker, I wonder if time travel is possible. Because if there ever is time travel, I remember thinking this, this would be the perfect time for future me to come fucking tell me why life's going to work out. Because right now, I'm looking in the abyss, bro, and no one showed up. I always think about that moment. Yeah. And now, if I could pick myself up in a whip and uh, take myself... To Riverdale and explain to myself what life is like in 2020 and all the rad shit we do and all the fun stuff we do 
and then show him like our neighborhood and shit. I'd be like, don't even worry about it, my bro. And then if he asked some stupid question like, so this blue Chicago thing is going to turn out? I'd be like, oh, no, you're fucked. <laughs> you're super fucked. But it does turn out in the end. So if I was going to go back and tell young Wanye at that moment where I was looking over the precipice, I'd be like, buddy, it's a long time coming. But you work on shit that you like with your friends and you do a good job and shit works out. There we go. 10 years from now, you're mildly flossing. 20 (laughs) years from now, you're moderately flossing. 30 years from now, you're that annoying old rich guy that won't stop bothering young people because he still thinks he's one of them. (laughs) That's the path I'm on. All right. Um, What's been, what was the best idea that you came up with at Blue Chicago? At Blue Chicago? Yeah. Just like a gimmick or something to get people in. Oh, fuck, we had gimmicks. I respect that you think that we would. We had, well, one guy was our good buddy that worked for us. He was British, but he'd lived in Sydney for a long time. And he told us one night, because we're trying to drum up ideas to get people in. And he's like, there's this place in Sydney that has a $5 steak sandwich. And it's like a loss leader. So people come in for the $5 steak sandwich, they get a couple pints of beer, and it's like what they're known for. And like, had I understood foreign exchange, I would have understood that a $5 sandwich in Australia is a $7 sandwich in Edmonton. Ah. But I was like, cool. And I called it the $5 steak sandwich. And our liquor, our, our meat reps were like, how can you afford to sell the sandwich so cheap? I'm like, there's this place in Australia. And I told them the story. They're like, okay. And we sold all, it was like the, for a while, the number one selling steak sandwich in Edmonton. But no one ever bought booze because of it. Oh. That's all right. Yeah. That was really neat. I, I would say one of the first things we did in Low Tide. It's funny. Have you interviewed Low Tide? Did you say you had? No, no. Uh, that's coming up after the draft. When you interview Low Tide, say to him, hey, I had Wanya on the show. Can you tell me about his Blue Chicago hockey ad? Okay. Because we made ads on 1260 that Jay and I wrote with like a sound engineer. Yeah. And we were like, re- it was the relaunch of the hockey season after the strike. And years later, when I met Low Tide, he blew my mind out my ears because he's like, where do I know your voice from? I'm like, I don't know, Low Tide. You're so famous. It's so weird talking to you. And he's like, no, no, I know you. Where do I know you from? And he's so nice. I'm like, I don't know, sir. There's no way you could possibly know me. Like, <laughs> you've never met me, I assure you. And he's like, did you do Blue Chicago radio ads? I was like, oh, my crowning achievement. I did indeed. And he's like, I remember those ads. They were great. Ask him about that. <laughs> I will funny. definitely ask him about that. I've got that on my page for uh, questions asked uh, low time. I'll laugh about that. We made, so the best thing we ever did at Blue Chicago is we made a scholarship. So we had $2,000 to invest in marketing. That was it. And probably by taking $2,000 for marketing, we would go out of business one week sooner. I was like, I got to do something. So we're like, what could we do? And this again, pre-social media. Pre-social media. I'm like, how are we going to make an impact? So I took $2,000 and said, we're going to give this away as a scholarship. And we're going to enter people to win this scholarship every time they buy a beer. And this is the scholarship for the rest of us. Right? Yeah. So I go to our liquor rep and I'm like, do you guys want to get involved in this? And they're both like, nope, that's stupid. And I was like, okay, great. And so then I started going to other beer companies. And I was like, literally, if anybody will help me and put $1 towards this scholarship, I'll make it so you have to buy your beer. Nobody would 
get on board. So I'm like, fuck it, it's Kokanee. And they're like, what do you mean it's Kokanee? I'm like, Kokanee is a sponsor. And even though Kokanee gave us no money, right? I just lay claim that Kokanee was the sponsor. And then I went and got a record or a radio ad campaign. And uh, it was like, Blue Chicago University, less thinking, more drinking, sponsored by Kokanee. And the Kokanee rep phoned me and was like, hey, we didn't have anything to do with this. I was like, shut up, you bastard. <laughs> and people loved it. And every time they came in and bought a Kokanee for a few weeks, um, they would be entered to win the scholarship. And sure as shit, we gave away $2,000 at the end. Jeez, look at you go. And I was like, we're going to make it after all. And then the landlord's like, yeah, you're not going to make anything after all. You're fucking out of here, chief. That's a rough one. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I fucking said it's, it's a tough one, but it either breaks or it doesn't. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, get it back on the horse or die trying. Well, the thing that I would rather have in my life is things I tried. I don't give a fuck ultimately if my success or failure or if I succeed or fail rather I just want to try I just want to try I want to try why because who knows what happens right why well I want to make a listening lounge why I don't know because it's cool why because I want to sit somewhere and flex and act like a mobster what do you mean I don't know I like ordering people around and demanding trays of shooters I always have why I don't know because I'm a weirdo right if I believe in what I'm doing and want to make a whole bunch of little parts of it really cool like have a big social media following or have a backwards house cafe or some shit like that and the most important part is I'm able to convince people who are really competent and professional to come work with me on the different projects, right? Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. You truly can. The problem is, what do you want to do for most people? They're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Well, then you're not going to do shit. And it's not because you're stupid. Just because you, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you want to do. Then well, you know what you're going to do? Nothing. That's what you're going to do. But well, you're like, I'm going to be the number one Canadian sports broadcaster. Like, okay. We, I know some of the, amazingly, through the fucking mysteries of light and magic, I know very high up people in the media. And when I talk to them, I talk to them like I talk to everybody else. And I don't think I'm cool. And I tell the stories where I'm a loser or whatever, right? And, like, one guy, I won't say his name, but, like, he started out because he took a job writing for a newspaper that was in all the minor hockey rinks of his American state. Hmm. And he was like 17 years old. He's like, I wrote them a letter. I took myself so seriously. Can I write in your hockey department? And they were like, sure. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get paid, but you can write there. This was the only crack he needed in the wall. That's all he needed. And he broke through. One little newspaper to say sure. And he just worked his balls off. And then... He was telling me that he was going to go to an American journalism school. And he went to the city to go to the school. His, all his writing experience had been for that little rink newspaper until that point. But he felt himself a sports journalist. And when he got to that school, his hometown newspaper phone and said, our hockey writer just dropped dead. Do you want to be the guy? And he was like, I've just signed up for journalism school. And they're like, do you want to go to journalism school or do you want to be a journalist? These are the moments in life to test us. Right? Yeah. He went home and he's now one of the biggest sports broadcasters in the sport. Yeah. Well, it's like, it... no shit. And yet you're such an asshole, but you're that good guy. You wrote for that community newspaper and he laughed. He's like, yeah, man, that's how I got my break. That's what it is. It's ultimately a break. Yeah, it really is. Like, I, I, 
with me getting into my broadcasting school, I the moment I heard there was an opportunity to go call a hockey game, I was like, yep, I'm taking it. I don't care who else wants it. I'll fight them all. Fight them all. I wrote one article for the U of A newspaper, student newspaper. Yep. And I got to go to the Oilers game and go in the media ring. And this is like Wanye minus five years, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. And Terry, I sat, I didn't know how seating worked. I sat in Terry Jones' seat. He told me to fuck off. I was like, okay, okay, I'm getting there. Wrote one article. They're like, your writing is terrible. You could never write for us again. I'm like, but it's free. It's a volunteer job. They're like, never again. Yep. And I was like, I looked her in the eye, and I was like, one day I'm going to be a sports writer. And they're like, no, you won't. And I was like, you'll see. And I was like, you'll see, you motherfuckers. So, point being, I couldn't even get a job at the little shitty newspaper. Yeah, well, and like, so I got really lucky. Uh, the, the summer camp I was working at, they were just like, hey, we need someone to write blogs for us on Instagram. I'm like, sure, I can take that up. That's 15 minutes out of my day. And the girl who was editing, she's just like, you're the worst writer I've ever seen, but you've got so much potential. Let's keep rolling. And she took time. She took probably an hour every week to edit my stuff and then talk to me about it and how I can get better. By the end uh, the end of my course here, my teacher's like, you've improved so much and I love your writing. I was just like, I needed that. Good job. I've been waiting yeah. three years to hear that and it just made my day to get that email. But understand that like, tell yourself you're rad, man. Yeah. Oh, right? I do. Like, this is another thing that's like missing my, I'm missing a chromosome. I'm like ultra arrogant, right? Yeah. But I don't like tell other people that I think I'm amazing, but I tell myself all the time. Like if you can hear a soundtrack in my head of me talking to myself, I'm like, oh, you're so funny. Look at your backwards cafe. Look at you going in here and getting a scone, sitting down at your desk. Aren't you so funny? Like <laughs> I'm very nice to myself in my head. Yeah. Right? And when I fuck stuff up, which I fuck up all the time, bigger and bigger things actually I fuck up it's okay um when I do fuck things up I'm the first to my own aid I'll, I have a hot tub an Oilers Nation hot tub which is pretty gangster but that's whatever whatever chicks like it whatever yeah, yeah whatever hot tub for your own website whatever girl whatever you don't think that's cool whatever but um I go in there and give myself pep talks all the time man, for hours on end if I'm having a really shitty stretch I'll be in there for hours on end and I'm not yelling at myself I'm talking it through with myself and I'm like, you're the fucking shit. What the hell? What are you fucking mad about right now? And I know I'm mad about this. I'm talking to myself, right? And I'm like, well, you need to get back in there, bitch. Like, I don't know who the hell you think you are, but you better, if you fucked up X, Y, and Z, you better go fix it. And I always have a list of shit I'm working on, and that's how I go. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I know I'm, I treat myself like I'm the goat. I am the best in the world at whatever, and I will tell everyone to fuck off. But I'm the first guy to rag on myself, but I'm also the first guy to pick myself up and be like, hey, man, we can do better. Let's go if for it. If you're not willing to work, being your own best cheerleader is only going to be so effective. Yep. Being your own biggest cheerleader is fucking free. And as you go, go through life, I always thought, like, at some point I'd hit some point of success where all of a sudden everybody would be super nice to me and shit. Mm-mm. It's the opposite. Oh, it is? The fur- yeah, the further you get there, the fucking people are trying to take you down, do weird shit. Oh, hell, man. The world's full of crazy people. All but right. <laughs> if you hold your own counsel, the amount of people I've had tell me, like, you're a fucking idiot. The amount of people I've had tell me no. The amount of people tell me I'm not going to do what you say. The amount of people, like, it's ridiculous. And it turned you over time into Darth Vader because you're responsible for so much shit. 
Look at pictures of Zuckerberg. <laughs> Poor guy's aging at like a triple rate of a normal human being. Ugh. But, you know, over time, you have to make, be more decisive and you have to push back on people and you have to defend yourself. And that's ultimately why people, I think, turn into assholes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at Dan Tenser. I mean, that guy's the biggest dick in the world, but... <laughs> I was very mean to Dan Tenser. He's the only guy I've ever been mean to on the internet. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really just, yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think that hating on other people really, I don't know anybody who hated on somebody to make themselves feel better. Yep. Right? Dan Tenser, he had the world by the tail. And I guarantee you, when Dan Tenser goes to bed at night, he knows he fucked up. Yep. I don't need to make fun of Dan Tenser to know that Dan Tenser got what was coming to him, whether he did or didn't. He knows. Yeah. Right? And I also know, like, fucking look at Jesperson. Yeah. Just got fired. Brian Jesperson is a good guy, man. Oh, yeah. And whether or not, blah, 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 the situation, it's a weird world we live in of cancel culture and shit like that. Ryan Jefferson is a good dude who came into work every day to be a good dude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't talk down to people. He got into it, but he had a very political show. Like, Jesus Christ, he's on the radio all day long talking about divisive issues. You can't go on the radio and never have an opinion. No, not at right? all. And then he would go to Oilers games and somehow stay awake to throw T-shirts in the crowd and get us all amped up better than anyone's ever done it. And then one day they're like, bye, you sent emojis and sent a mean thing and then said sorry and didn't mean it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it. But I think a lot of people are getting turned out to pasture that shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, like, I know my my instructor, she's just like, you're going to be the first guy in my class that's going to get toast because you're too divisive. You you mean what you say and you're a very nice guy, but... You're too what, sir? Divisive, or... Uh, is that the right term? Oh, well, and just like, that's maybe why you got to point yourself at, like, non-divisive topics, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why it's, like, I'd like to go into just, like, easy music, like, just so that way I'm not tempted to get into it no, with someone. No, fuck. You don't want to do that, man. No. But the, but the podcast, that's where I want to be me. That's where I want to be. Look at me. I can be as much of a jackass as I want, but I can be respectful of people. I think that, like, even if you're divisive, if you're trying to, you can be divisive and do a very positive show, Hmm. right? One of the things that I'm very proud of about all my bullshit on social media, there isn't anything I'm worried about that I've said in the past because I've always tried to be positive. Yep. Right? And I never brought my problems to social. And people who lit me off, I get lipped off all the time, man. People call me names. People call me racist all the time now. It's so bizarre. Oh, Matt, I got so called a white supremacist this year, and it, like, threw me off. I was like, no, I'm not. I promise. I had a lady, so, like, my Instagram and shit, I make my little art, my little memes. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't care. Right? Yeah. I'm enjoying myself. And I make memes about rap and hockey and noodles and promote my shit and whatever else I do, right? I don't know. But she's like, you're um, appropriating black culture by all the rap memes you make, and it, you shouldn't do that. Okay. And it shook me. It shook me, man. I was like, what do you mean I shouldn't do that? I love rap music. I've loved rap music since I was seven years old, right? Yeah. You shouldn't do this. It's disrespectful. And I was like, fuck. I don't know what to say. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, it's those little things that you just don't realize someone's offended about for whatever reason. 
and this is when you start to get some scale, you can really get in your own head because people bombard you with things all the time. I just don't read my DMs anymore, honestly. Mm. Because I got, there's so many weird rabbit holes to fall down with people and like whatever. And like 99.9% of people I've had the good fortune to talk to online are marvelous. But if you have 11,000 followers, for example, and you divide by the quotient of crazy of half a percentage, right? <laughs> well, and then people who have even, like, I don't even barely have any followers compared to anybody, but, like, I don't know how you could be, like, a 22-year-old girl and have 3 million followers, and every time you put your butt on social media, you get half a million likes. Yeah, and then you like, gotta deal with all the creeps that are out there, thing. too. That's a fucked up thing to do to somebody. Yeah, it is. It really is. Another reason why I'm so glad I didn't use my own name and shit, right? Yeah. Getting doxxed and shit? Like, ugh, ugh. no, 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 no. No. What other questions you got on that list? I like this game. Yeah, this has been a great game. Um, oh, was Ryan Smith getting traded the best thing that ever happened to you? Well, now, holy shit. <laughs> Isn't that a head scratcher? It Basically, really is. So we started Oilers Nation. We knew when the bar was shutting, we were going to do Oilers Nation. Because I'd read this article in Business 2.0 magazine, which is now shut. Fuck, I'm an old man talking about shit that shut down. Remember when I used to be a pharmacy? No, Grandpa, <laughs> I don't. Um, and it was like, you can make money with websites. And I was like, oh, for real, you can? Like, I had no idea. And they're like, if you want to start a content website, think about the thing you love most and make a website about it. And I was like, I am doing this for the Oilers for sure. So we were talking about it and we were thinking about it, but our bar just shut down. We lost all the money we ever had in our lives plus plus and our credit cards were maxed out and Revenue Canada was sending me thicker and thicker letters, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, shit, shit, shit. The only way out of this is a whole new thing. And then Oilers Nation, the way we went. And so... Ryan Smith being traded was the catalyst because when Ryan Smith got traded, I was like so fucking mad and I phoned Jay and I was like, I am so fucking mad. He's like, I'm even madder. I'm like, fuck this. We're making a website about Ryan Smith and how much we love him. And he's like, it's about time. Somebody made a website. That's why Jay's like my best buddy ever. And I got convinced him to do dumb shit. And I'm like, it is a fucking moral imperative that we make an Oilers Nation. And he's like, what is an Oilers Nation? I'm like, oh, I don't know this thing I'm thinking about. And it's like a community. And we don't talk down to Oilers fans. And we make all the reporters write for us. But we're in charge. He's like, yeah, that's the shit. I'm like, I don't know. We have a limousine with a limo with a logo on the side and our own beer. And like 99% of what we said we were going to do, we thought of day one. What's like so the- Ryan Smith getting traded was the catalyst to put up our first website, bringryanhome.com. And we had t-shirts and we put them in a store at Kingsway and it was for charity and it had like a Ryan Smith on the side of a milk carton. My sister, the architect, drew it. And we put the phone number for the store on the website. And like the next day, we got a phone call from this guy we had this <clears throat> partnership with and he was like, can you take that phone number down? Oh. I'm like, why? He's like, my phone will not stop ringing. I'm like, what do you mean won't stop ringing? He's like, no exaggeration. I've had 30 phone calls about these t-shirts this morning. Oh. And I was like, oh, for real? <laughs> <laughs> I phoned Jay. I'm like, you won't believe this, but the guy at the store says the phone number we put on our website is making his phone ring off the hook. Because there wasn't e-commerce. We had to send people to a place to buy the shit. 
That's a, and like why we want gear and why we want our own clothes and shit because we wear it. Yep. All I ever wear is nation gear. I don't wear anything else. Yeah, like I've why? Been, I don't know because it's cool. It's, why is it cool? I don't know because I think it's cool. It's not cool. Ask anybody who's cool. I think it's cool. Fuck that shit. We try really hard. Yeah. Therefore, it's cool. And it's comfortable. I love wearing my nation gear. Wow, you wear nation gear, you go little brick. God damn it, of course I went on this podcast. Yeah, you did. <laughs> You're my best customer. <laughs> Ask me another question. Um, have you gotten in trouble from the NHL or the Oilers or the PA for, uh, with any of your uh, sites? Yes, numerous times. Oh, good. Um, I've received numerous cease and desist. I've received threats. I received threats for Oodle Noodle on behalf because I ran like a bootleg score and win on Twitter one time as an experiment. And uh, I keep them as badges of honor. Yeah. I like that the the NHL knows who I am. Right? Yeah. I never wanted to meet with the Oilers ever because I love the Oilers so much that if I start having a conversation with Patrick LaForge or fucking Tom and tell me about the Oilers, I'm probably going to start crying or something. Because I just am so worked up about the team at all times, right? And then I'll like get into like what they mean to me, blah blah blah. And then they'll be dicks to me, and then I'll leave and spaz at them and be really immature about it, right? Yeah. I know how I am. So I never wanted to meet them. And then last summer, Gregor was like, "We have to start talking to the Oilers." And I'm like, "No." And he's like, "We have to, man. This is ridiculous." He's like. When we first started doing this, you were like some young weirdo, blah, blah, blah. He's like, we have to have a relationship with them. I'm like, I refuse. <laughs> and he's like, the Oilers want to meet with us now. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, then sell me and the other guys. Like, they want to talk to Oilers Nation. They, one of the reasons why they're so weirded out by you guys is because you don't try and work with them. And I'm like, I don't want to work with him. I want to do my own thing. And he's like, okay. And Gregor's like my good buddy. In real life, he gives me a show all the time. But he's like, we need to. And so we went and started talking to the Oilers. And, like, they showed me around the arena. And I was, like, overcome with emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I never thought in my whole life I'd be in these offices. I'm, like, sweating. I'm so excited. Gregor's like, oh, Jesus. We should never have brought him here. I'm like, can you show me the room where you signed the contracts with players? And they're like, what are you, like, a six-year-old on a make-a-wish with the <laughs> They show me like, yeah, man. So, do we have season desist? Yes. Do I give a flying fuck? No. Have I had conversations with the NHL at a high level with the legal team and stuff like that? Yes. And everyone's very nice. And they're like, you shouldn't be allowed to call yourself Oilers Nation and make gear with the word Oilers on it because you don't own the Oilers. And I was like, well, you know. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah. And here we are. Right. Yeah. And then when we did Leafs Nation, the Leafs were like, who the hell do you people think you are? And I was like, we're the Leafs Nation. And they're like, no, you aren't. Like, oh, yes, we are. And we're Flames Nation, too. And then the Flames were like, no, you're not. And everywhere we went, we were like, yes, we are. That's all they could do? And here we, well, they try and we fight back. I'll go to jail. I will go to Alcatraz. And I will go and sit in solitary confinement. Because I wanted Leafs fans to have a place to get together and poo-poo their power play. I don't give a fuck. This is why you're my favorite. When I talk like that, they're like, "Mm -hmm," and then they go away. Man, who's got the nuts the size of you to take on the NHL like that? 
want to take on the NHL. I love the NHL. I tell them that. Yeah. I'm like, I love the NHL. If you've got ideas, if you've got shit you want done, I will do your dirty work. Right? <laughs> like, you want me to say that Nikolai Bobrovsky is a terrible goalie? You want that expunged? We'll do it, right? I don't know what the fuck. People are scared of media, right? Yep. But, like, at the end of the day, there's absolutely no reason on God's green earth why Oilers Nation should be called EdmontonHockeyBlog.com. Yeah. No. No. And we have Lakers Nation and shit now, right? And the Lakers, strangely enough, are easier to deal with than anybody else. Wild. Lakers Nation has people in the dressing room after games reporting on the Lakers, and they're allowed to film Lakers practice. Really? And I'm like, what? And there's a Lakers? And then I realized it's because they do this innovative shit that they're the Lakers. Yep. In the long run, man, like, I really, really, really admire Daryl Cates. Like, a lot. And I've had the amazing fortune to actually meet him twice. Really? Yeah, man. Weirdly, like, before he was Daryl Cates with a capital D and a capital K, I met him when he was, like, still a young guy. I was, like, really little. Hmm. I remember being, and then he was like, oh, I'm going to own the Oilers one day. And I was like, mm-hmm, because I love the team so much. Yeah. And he's like one of the greatest Edmontonians of all time. Right? And people are wired because of Peter Pocklington and shit to think that the Oilers owner is a crook. Right? Yeah. And a lot of sports owners are like the evil villain of their city. Right? Yeah. Thanks, a lot Eugene. Of sports owners say owning the team like made them super depressed and shit. And like Daryl Case, I don't know if you like know too much about his life, but like his dad owned one drugstore basically or two. And he's like the 38th richest guy in North America now or some shit. Yeah. Like, it's wild. And, like, he built this big-ass house in the middle of town. And he was like, I am putting this house where everyone can see it. And one of his partners said, oh, I don't know if I want to do business with you anymore because you are going to build this big house and you're trying to sell value-priced drugs and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's going to think that our drug prices are terrible because look how big your house is. And he was like, no man, I'm putting this in the center of town Hmm. because I want people to know that you can be from Edmonton and be that successful. And like legitimately the number of times I've been driving around town, like wandering in my own thoughts about how fucked I am on some particular thing. And I find myself on that hill and I look at Daryl Case's house. It's got like two Olympic swimming pools, a helicopter pad and like all this rad shit. I'm like, well, hell's bells, if old DK can do it, away we go. And it is an inspiration. If you are wired to look at something like that as inspirational, and if you're wired to look at that and say, nobody should have a house that big, I totally understand why you would think that. Absolutely. But Daryl Cates gave us a goddamn arena district, exactly as he said he would. He said he'd build us an arena, and he built us an arena, and he has spent to the cap fully every year since he was the owner of the team. Yeah, he's yeah he's yeah. done everything he can for the Oilers, and you know, unfortunately, that shit just doesn't work for a little while. Yeah, you gotta just stick with it. You didn't become a billionaire by being impatient. Nope, not at all. You gotta stick with this shit, just like you with your podcast. Man. Yeah, it might be that it's episode two thirty five when you interview Elon Musk and he tells you about his accidentally blurts out his secret plan or whatever it is, right? Get myself a free trip to Mars, and I can do it from there. Think of yourself as a stock. 
right? Go on your stock app on your phone and look at Tesla. And look how long of a trailing edge they had to start where they had no value. And then all of a sudden it went whoosh, and they went straight up. Yep. Yeah. That's what. Right? Sometimes you're Dell Cates and you buy the Oilers and you're the boy genius of the whole league, and then 10 years goes by, 12 years, 13 years goes by. And everyone's like, do this, do that, fire this guy, fire that guy. And like, you could argue that all the coaches and GMs we have actually didn't help, and that was part of the problem. But you got to hand it to Kate, man. He pushed through the arena. He spent to the cap. He's like, how much does Chris Russell want? 4.5? Here it is in full. Yeah. Well, could you imagine what that guy would be spending if he didn't have a cap height? Oh, crazy, man. I swear to God he must have. I, I shouldn't say this sort of thing. And I say it in jest. And if the NHL does introduce this to my trial, I'm saying this quasi-jest. He must have given a bribe for Connor McDavid. Oh, had to have. He must have been like, hey, Gary Batman, here's a fucking zip drive. What's that? A hundred million in untraceable Bitcoin? What? <laughs> My first thought when we won it was, bless your heart, Daryl Cates, you found a way to rig a draft lottery. <laughs> oh, it made me feel so good, but I'll be honest, I wanted Jack Eichel before I wanted McDavid. Never! So Jack Eichel was a bitch. Yeah, well, now that I know that, I it took me reading a shit ton of your uh, Oiler Nation blogs, I was like, I guess I can go buy a McDavid jersey, and I bought it two days before I went to Australia, and I wore that son of a bitch everywhere. I respect it. Yeah. I remember Cam Lewis' tweet from 2015. He has it pinned. I swear that David McDavid or whatever his name is is already better than most of the Oilers. <laughs> he sure was. I got to run away because I was supposed to be on another call an hour ago. Oh, shit. I am so sorry. Week. It's okay. No, no, no. I like what we're talking about. What the fuck are they going to do? They can't fire me. I volunteer for this job. All right. <laughs> I really wish you good luck with this show, man. Okay. Well, and I hope that you, if you take anything out of this lesson from me, there's nothing really I can teach you except that if you're willing to write emails and pester people and do things that you have zero qualifications for, but you're willing to do it for free, ultimately someday someone will pay you. All right. Well, thank you for that. And thank you so much for your time. Of course, buddy. Anytime you need me. All right. I'll keep that in the back of my mind and all of the questions. And I'm going to subscribe. I don't listen to podcasts, but you know what? I'm going to fucking subscribe to this podcast. Oh, bless your heart, Wanyi. I don't even fucking subscribe to my own podcast. God <laughs> forbid I hear myself somehow fumbling with my phone one night. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe to this. All right. Look for me. Perfect. All right. Well, you have right. a good business meeting that you're late for. We'll see what we can do. There's pandemic. Hard times all around. All right. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, bye. All righty. That was my episode with Wanye Gretz, uh, part two. Thank you so much for listening. I uh, had so much fun doing this. Uh, shout out to Wanye. Uh, go follow him on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and go follow OilersNation.com. They're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, it's just fantastic to have Wanye on. Uh, just a reminder that this episode was brought to you by Grandma Bear's Home Baking, aisle seven of the Old Strathcona Farmer's Market. And also, Stony Creaser for being the guy who is responsible for the Slice of Beef podcast theme song. Give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook, a Slice of Beef pod. And until next time, stay safe, be well, peace and grace to all of you, and we'll see you around. Until next time, I'm Angus Hout. How do you like it, sir? <laughs>